Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil. I'm here with Matt Statler. And uh, we're excited to bring this day's podcast right to your ears for your listening pleasure. How about them? How about that for an intro there, Matt? What do you How think? about them apples? Yeah, I think How that's about a pretty good apples? intro. A little, a little corny. Um, <laughs> a little corny? A little awkward, oh, well, you but know, okay. I was... I was trying to uh, seem more than I probably am um, <laughs> when it comes to podcasting. Um, have you, you ever? Know, have you thought? I, have, I know you probably have a cool idea, but I also have a fun intro idea well, as well. Bring it on! Bring so it let on! Me bring that on! Um, have you <laughs> noticed that with men, a beard is can give a false reputation uh, for many men? Not this man. <laughs> now, the, well, obviously, ours are luxurious and beautiful. But mm-hmm. when, uh, whenever I shave off my my beard, I have this thing called a double chin that uh, decides oh, yeah, to yeah. make its appearance. Yeah, and man. when I have my beard, I look a lot more uh, square jawed and uh, more manly. Yeah, so, your double chin is a key piece to the dad bod. You must it's conceal. It's part of the dad bod. Uh, <laughs> man, I wish I remembered that really funny uh, t-shirt. What do they call it? It's not a... Oh, yeah, it's not a dad bod. It's a father figure. <laughs> That's great. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, the church in Sardis also had a reputation. Oh, had a okay. dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> they had a reputation for being one thing, um, and in reality, they weren't it. Um, mm. And they get called out here in this letter so, to Sardis. So, would you say they had a stolen valor tendencies? Ooh, yeah, that's a you know that's a that's a hot button topic, isn't it? Um, yeah. How many times does did that come out in the news, right? Or like someone would video some guy with all these medals that were just so goofy. Like every military member would look at that and be like, that's nah. a, um, <laughs> a soup sandwich. And we would say that, that person is not legit, right? Like he is right. Like they, there's no way that you have a, an airborne tab with some kind of Marine stuff with a combat action ribbon and a Navy thing. And then, you yeah. know, like you just have a coast guard symbol or, you know, all like, these weird things or, or like full hey, size that's, medals. A, that's a medal for North Korea, not America. Yeah. Or yeah, or like a <laughs> Vietnam era, you know, uh, medal. And then On a 20 year old, 20 year old or yeah. like, even um, wearing the full size medals versus just wearing ribbons like most, you know, yeah, on, on like a completely wrong suit top. So you right. see that you're at a bar and they're talking about their time, you know, in the war, in the suck and how, how hard their life was. And you sit next to them and you just look at these guys and you're like, what in the world? And you get angry, right? A lot of, a lot of veterans get really mad and start yelling and screaming at people in their face and ripping it off of them because, they know people who um, receive them for legitimate reasons, right? Uh, like getting wounded in action and um, Purple Hearts and, and Silver Stars and all that and actually um, earn them through valor. And so it's a stolen valor, right? They're trying to trying to take the valor of somebody else and, and use it for their own credit, uh, yeah. which is a lot like pride. Um, and honestly. most of the time, those guys, Matt, they might have served, but there was some... Um, maybe their service wasn't what they envisioned or they had something yes. happen or they didn't. So they wanted to be more than what they actually were. 
right? Which, you know, you're, you're right on, man. That's a reflection of a prideful heart, um, possessing and believing in, in an inaccurate view of yourself, right? So it's not true, truly who you are. You're, you're trying to portray something different. On every person, every man, every woman level, have you ever had like daydreams where you're like the hero of whatever circumstance? Um, Those you know, not dreams, realities. No, realities, right. en- envisioned realities. Uh, <laughs> but you know, like where you're you're thinking about a, a situation, and you're like, you know, I would have rescued those guys from the burning vehicle, yeah. or I would have thrown them on my shoulders and ran the hundred miles or, you know, just the various like ideas that, that we use to, to consider um, just our situation. And, Mm. and sometimes it's, it's a reflection of what's going on in our heart, right? Why is it that we feel the need to be the hero of the battle um, Mm. or to, um, to be successful, right? Or our Mm. vision of success is doing something brave and courageous to, Kind of like one of my favorite books um, that I, you know, barely read, and it was a long time ago. But when um, the guy's tilting at windmills, right? He's dressed oh, up yeah. like a knight and he's hunting down dragons. Like Don you can't Quixote. get a better, yeah, you can't get a better picture of just Mm-mm. the foolishness of pride. Like he thinks right. he's a knight and he thinks he's fighting dragons, but really they're just windmills in the distance. And he takes his lance and he gets on his horse and he just rides as hard as he can. And is trying to fight the dragons, and and so often I think we as um, as people, but also you know as Christians, we think we're standing up to culture when in rea- reality we're we're just bending the knee, um, right? And so success. So this church mm-hmm. in, in Sardis um, is just a fascinating read, man. Um, I really enjoyed reading through it, but it it probably would help if I read it, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it says, right, oh, this is Revelation chapter three. It says, right to the angel of the church in Sardis. Thus says the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Remember, that's been introduced um, earlier already. So we've talked about it, um, but this is him reminding them of who he is. He has the power. And he says, I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Be alert. And strengthen what remains, which is about to die. For I have not found your works complete before my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you are not alert, I will come like a thief. And you will have no idea what hour I will come to you, come upon you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes. And they will walk with me in white because they are worthy. In the same way, the one who conquers will be dressed in white clothes and will never erase and I will never erase his name from the book of life but will acknowledge his name before my father and before his angels let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the spirit says to the churches hmm. so this is a, a powerful um, there's no real compliment in this he says nope. I know I know what your works are I, I see what you're doing and they have a reputation so Neil you uh, you were able to go and visit Sardis yeah, uh, tell us a little bit about what you uh, what you gleaned, what you learned from it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Sardis was uh, a capital city once of the Seleucids, uh, which were the uh, generals that Alexander the Great's um, empire was divvied up to. So it was one of this 
these capital cities. It's a prominent area. It has a large Jewish population, a very large, uh, largest Jewish synagogue I've ever seen in this place. Um, a lot of people or, or a lot of representation of Roman influence here. Um, so there's, there's this element, I think of the Jews, at least, um, trying to be as Roman as possible, uh, for favor's sake. But we know Christians, of course, don't have the, uh, worship edict give extended to them. Um, and so, you know, there's this insecurity going on in the church of Sardis, this, um, this belief, I feel like that if they don't bend or yeah, if they don't bend, then they won't be secure. And so they're going to seem like something they're actually not. They're going to look successful uh, on the outside, but inside they've abandoned the gospel of Jesus, what they receive for life. Right. <laughs> and, uh, they get exposed, man. You know, there's honestly like I don't have a whole lot of um, background information other than just being enamored by Jesus's first uh, charge against them. You look you have a reputation of being alive, but you are really dead. When I heard those words when I was in Sardis, I like stopped writing. Um, because I don't think there's a more piercing charge that could be levied, uh, personally, um, then you're a fake, you're a fraud. There's, you're dishonest about what's going on inside of you. And, uh, you know, it makes you really want to look at your own heart. Like, am I, you know, like it, it, it should cause in us some introspection, right? Is this us? And not only on an individual level, but what the heck about our church is this yeah. is, can this statement be levied against our church? Because when I look at the church, at least in America, uh, by and large, I think this statement pegs us right between the forehead or between the eyes in the forehead. What do you think, Matt? Man, I think, I think you're exactly right. And, and honestly, it's um, a little disheartening uh, when you think about it because we have all the resources uh, and comforts available to us. Right. We have top seminaries. We're not persecuted. Uh, we have, uh, Sunday meeting rooms where we can go and be comfortable and have chairs and um, air conditioning buildings. and buildings yeah. and, and everything. And so I, I think in many ways it's, it's, it's revealed um, through time. Uh, how mm. do you know something is alive or something is dead? Mm. Recently, there's been a Christianity Today podcast about the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And it's mm. talking about... Um, the pastor there, he started that church and he just had a, uh, just a huge popularity and just exploded. Charismatic but, guy. Yeah. Very, very nice guy. Um, very, or sounds, you know, but he was very bold and, and a lot of young men were drawn to that because he, he would, 
I mean, he did swear in some of his stuff, but in, in reality, he was just really strong against um, weakness and against beating your spouses and how foolish that was and stupid you are for doing that and and just real powerful. But overnight, the whole thing toppled. Like Boom. he he was uh, he was basically fired for his anger and a lot of some character stuff. We don't know all the details, but essentially that Bully was the tactics on the elder tactics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he was fired and, and basically overnight the whole thing shut down. And so yep. it had an appearance of being alive and maybe many people in that church were alive and, and vibrant and pursuing Christ, but mm. overnight it destroyed. But we see that as a, in a slow way um, in our churches, right? Uh, kids are not remaining in church after they graduate high school. We see, um, so much church hurt from various reasons. We see people who go to the church their whole lives, but never, um, mature spiritually and they just don't grow. So that could be a, a massive thing leveled against us that we have this reputation, um, for being alive. So what, what would a reputation kind of look like, Neil? Yeah, I was going to say what measures, of success that give off an appearance of aliveness um, that don't exactly translate. I think that's probably the bet for a church, right? Um, Bottom, I would bottoms say, in the seat. Right. Yeah. Num- n- numerical growth. Uh, I remember <laughs> someone sent me this podcast, uh, Carrie Newhoff, uh, this Canadian cat. And, and uh, in the middle of the podcast, he had like a info sales you know, thing. And he was trying to sell his book was like how to get over 250 or something like that. Like how to get over the hump to become yeah. a bigger, more influential church, you know? And, and I, I just remember being like appalled at that. I was like, what's wrong with the small church? I mean, and, and hear me when I say I'm not levying anything against larger churches, the Lord has anointed them for that purpose and that season they're in. Um, but but the idea that you're not that success is only measured by how much money your church has, how many people your church has, and what quote unquote programs for influence you have. I call it I don't the three think, B's bottoms, yeah. budget, and book sales. That's right. Yeah. Uh speaking events, you know, all Where's those kind platform? of things. Right. And I think a lot of times those churches uh, tend to be built on a personality instead of on, you know, unfortunately, truth. And uh, when the personality goes character wise, like in the case of Mars Hill, right, when Mark Driscoll's character gets found out, the whole thing goes bottom up. You know, Uh, the foundation was weak because it was built on some guy. It wasn't built on Christ. (laughs) And so your measurables for success, I feel like we have to change. We need to look at what a biblical standard for success is in our churches and in our lives and then walk in that, you know, instead of saying, well, success for me as a believer is I... I went to Sunday school and I went to and I went and worshiped on Sunday and that was it. You know, or I read my one verse a day that comes from the Bible app or version app. You know, I read my Bible, you know, <laughs> like um, yeah. 
I'm well, being I successful. You know, you, you know, we're, we're dealing with several conflicting um, weather patterns here, right? We have the sure. American dream of success, you know, bigger car, bigger house, bigger um, pool, bigger, whatever. Um, success is what you can achieve or what you can get. Um, or status. You have, yeah, status. So you have that floating around and then you have like a church culture of, um, uh, if I can get more people to hear my sermons and preaching that I'm successful. Um, yeah. and then now with COVID, how many people are watching the live stream? How many people, um, are we engaging with? And these are not necessarily negative metrics, uh, but they have become, um, things that we try to game. And so instead of faithfulness or instead of, um, adhering to the word in many areas, we want to achieve or we want to arrive. And, uh, Neil, one one book that I found real helpful. I'm going to give a big plug, of course. Donald Whitney's book, um, 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. And in here, Boom. he gives you 10 questions. Do you thirst for God? Are you governed increasingly by, the God, by God's word? Are you more loving? Are you more sensitive to God's presence? Do you have a growing concern for the spiritual and temporal needs of others? Do you delight in the bride of Christ? Are the spiritual disciplines increasingly important to you? Do you still grieve over sin? Are you a quicker forgiver? Do you yearn for heaven and to be with Jesus? And and you notice what those are. Those are not things that you can arrive at, right? It's a, a growing, hungering, and thirsting for righteousness. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's I think that's integral, Neil. Is not that yeah. we're going to achieve some perfect vision of the church, but we're um, we're to pursue and hunger and thirst after holiness, um, which produces happiness. Yeah. I mean, like uh, Christian men all over the place, you know, for example, are in church. Maybe they lead Bible studies, but they're addicted to pornography and no one knows. Like you, you look like you're alive, but you're really dead. Like this is the kind of principles we're talking about. So there's an individual heart level that has to be um, tilled up and and sought through. You know, what's going on in your heart? <laughs> in what ways do you look alive but are really dead? And what do you do about that, you know? And then on a church community level, a larger group level, you know, what are your measures for success? Is it faithfulness to Christ? Do your people go out and evangelize the lost? Do your people cling to and grow in the word of God? Do your people worship in spirit and in truth on Sunday morning? Do your people um, care for one another when, when they're enduring different things, different seasons of lives? Like, those are the measures of success. And there are others, but those are some measures of success that that are in accordance with the biblical standard we have for church community. But your butts in seats and a big bank account, you know, man, that's that is moths and rust destroy, right? <laughs> Thieves come in and steal. Um, that is not a treasure in heaven. And that will that doesn't lead people to Christ. That leads people to a kind of Christ, but
but not to Christ. Does that make sense? And not only uh, that, I mean, and, and we're not, and this is what we're saying too. And don't hear what we're not saying. Just because your church is small doesn't make it a holier church, right? No. Um, the the markers of success is not is not size, but faithfulness and uh, yes. the spiritual growth of your people. And and the sad thing is, guess what? We cannot personally grow anyone's spiritual health on our own power, right? No. It's through the the gospel, and I I think that's what um, the church here. That's key is being told, right? It says, remember then in verse three, what you have received and heard, keep it and repent. Yeah. It's a, it's a very simple admonishment. Remember what you heard and then keep it and repent. Uh, what did they receive in here? Yeah. The, the good news of Jesus Christ, the, that's right. uh, The knowledge of forgiveness of sins. And, and, um, basically they received Christ and, uh, and put their trust solely in him. But many of them obviously didn't trust solely in Christ and they've fallen away. And um, so the ones that are the remnant that remains need to keep God's word and keep his, um, to keep the gospel. Uh, Let's stop there for a second, Matt, for, for the pastor or minister listening. I think this is a key thing because you may look at your church and you, you're you're struggling. <laughs> like, man, I have been laboring and investing and, man, there's been like nothing, it yeah. feels like. Neil, you know, Jesus, we, have seasons, we have seasons like that. Um, just, you know, full disclosure on my part. Uh, when sure. I got here, there were, there were 16 people attending. And um, it was heartbreaking to see because it's, when I was growing up, I used to come to this church because they supported my parents as missionaries and they would have a very vibrant, lively ministry. Um, and so there are times when I would get up and start preaching and I would look at, at who were there and, and there's just a handful. Um, then we had seasons of growth and then people with PCS and ETS and then we were back down again. Uh, currently we're in an up season. So if I base my emotional highs and lows and, yeah. and preached out of that, um, I would just be very ineffective as a pastor and um, mm-hmm. and would be unloving. In fact, Sunday, one of the guys that went up to read, uh, and this is no criticism on him, he just was making a statement. He was just like, oh, we're kind of down today, right? And um, I could have easily taken that to heart and been like, oh, man, must have been something I said last Sunday or what have you. But it, but the reality is, is am I faithful? to the word of God, am I preaching it? Am I caring? Am I growing in, in holiness? And if I am, yeah. then that's my responsibility. So that, you know, to the pastor who's, who's losing people for whatever reason, arguments over COVID arguments over whatever, if, right. if your church is, is in a down period, you're not called to build that church with your own power and your own strength. Um, Amen. you know, and, and we, as you're called to be faithful, right? Faithfulness. That's what we're, yeah. we're called for. Yeah, the the mar- the marks of healthy leaders, you know, the qualifications for an elder, none of those are charisma and butts and seats ability. That's right. It There's no a, success in there, right? No, it's, it's all be about faithful. <laughs> yeah, be faithful and teach faithfully. And so, you know, but but I want to encourage you too, and to know this, to rest in this. There is a remnant in your church. There has always been a core group who are faithful to God, who love God, and they and they are committed deeply. We there are so many texts 
<laughs> about these remnants in the scriptures of of you know standing in the gap and and tending to what is right and what is true what is good you know uh daniel 12 1 um um i'm sorry not daniel 12 1 i've just lost my mind we see we see it in israel we see it all over the place but anyway there there are remnants all throughout the council and of god and we're we're to call to invest in them and to equip them for the work of ministry. And when you equip them for the work of ministry, guess what? What does Jesus say? He will clothe them in garments of white. You will have put, you have brought them forward as their shepherd and presented them before Jesus. And, you know, Christ will clothe them in white. He'll clothe you in white. So remain faithful um, Neil, reg- um, regardless of what's going on. What are some of the ways that you have seen modern churches compromise <clears throat> uh, this this gospel truth? Right, they've they've not kept it as as yeah. they're asked to. Um, yeah. What are some of the ways yeah. you've seen? Yeah one one of the big ways is we've made some sort of weird decision to say, you know, I'm I'm not here to make people feel bad or to talk about sin. I'm just going to talk about unicorn farts and rainbows, you know, <laughs> um, that, that bugs me because the, our problem is not that we don't, that we already feel bad. Our problem is that we justify what we do and the sin that we commit. What do you we think is the motivation will, for that? It's, it's a deceptive heart. Um, or, or the motivation for the leader who, or the church that abandons. Yeah. I think the motivation for that is people like to feel good. And when people feel good, they come and they tend to and give and, you know, emotionally are bought in and it makes us feel good. We're driven by our hedonism and, you know, for the pastor, man, no, you, you Stay your feet firm in the truth. You are dead in sin, made alive in Christ. There is no other way. You and and when you're alive in Christ, you're called to take off the old self, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is Christ likeness. And Neil, we proclaim that till we're blue in the face. One of the one of the things too is the other Sorry, side. I'm getting a little fired up. No, and I think it's true. Like <laughs> preach the word. Um, but I also see it on what we would call more of a fundamental side. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a, there's a hardcore group on the other end who is so determined that they won't teach you anything nice, um, that they completely abandon the love of God and they become graceless. Right. So they're, they're, so they're so hard on, um, contending for the faith, which is a good thing but they've turned this into their sole purpose in life. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think about it in those, those sermons that you've watched um, where they just scream at you the whole time. They're just screaming and screaming and screaming and, and it's real legalistic. And, and it's just turned into this whole, um, you know, everything's a sin and you know, you're, you're evil, but that also is a, as a bowing to culture. That's a, that's a culture of, of, uh, what do you, what do you call it? Uh, 
sadism, right? You want yeah. to be, you want your feelings hurt. You want to be slapped around a little bit. And so you go to this church because they yell and scream at you. They're not, they're mm. not preaching the full counsel of God with the, the love of God and the wrath of God um, intermingling and really are the same coin and the same side of the same coin. And, and how beautiful yeah. it is that, that Christ is that sufficient sacrifice and that we don't have to be dead in our sins and um, the joy that and he was sent in love. <laughs> That's you know? right. And he was sent in love um, to yeah. satisfy the wrath of God. So, mm-hmm. man, we, yeah. we just have to be aware that faithfulness means the whole counsel um, and right. not becoming so enamored with our, our battlefield tactics that we lose sight of the mission. Um, you know, man, how many, how many stories do you hear about soldiers who are so, um, bloodlusty or blood full of, full of bloodlust go off the rails and start collecting ears of their enemies or, but they lose track of what their purpose was. Like they're, they're in the battle and they forgot like, Hey, we're here to win a war or a battle, not slaughter innocent people. And, and, right. and we see that. So we have to be aware. And I think, here in this church, it says, um, keep it and repent. And then he says, you don't, you know, I'm going to come like a thief in the night. It's kind of a, a spiritual wake up call to the church at Sardis. Um, I like in, in four, it talks about their white clothes because they are worthy. And then he says in the same way, the one who conquers, we just talked about this last week will be dressed in white clothes and I will never erase his name from the book of life. I will acknowledge his name before my father and before angels. Man, it's yeah. not easy being a remnant in a church that's going astray. Um, yeah. There there are times when you have to determine when to cut sling load and when not, when when you have to go to a new church and when not. And, and these are hard decisions and no one, um, if you really can't turn the ship around in many ways, I think yeah. um, there's a place for that. But just recognize your responsibility is faithfulness. Yeah. To not soil your garments. That's right. This don't is what the text says. The world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't <laughs> literally Jesus saying, don't poop your pants, yeah. <laughs> you know, because um, all these other people have pooped their pants and they don't think they stink. That's you right. know, that, that's, it. that's, I think that's the Southern uh, interpretation of what Jesus is saying here. But so, so what do we do? We repent. Yeah. So if, if there's an area in your life um, where you feel you have seemed alive, but you're dead in some way, repent, turn from your sins, turn towards Christ. You know, we had an elders meeting last yesterday and, um, you know, we were talking and there was a, there was a specific issue where as we were discussing, we realized uh, as an elder board, we failed and in a certain area and man, we, we stopped right there. I mean, it wasn't something grievous or anything like that, but we recognized our failure. The, the Holy spirit convicted all three of us in that moment. You, you have, you failed. And man, we asked the Lord to forgive us. We confessed it to him. Um, we have made aims and taken steps, uh, to walk in repentance from that sin to putting on Christ likeness part. And, um, man, I just remember, uh, last night, like after a few hours after the meeting was over, just feeling like, 
you know, Jesus doesn't, doesn't say that I'm going to nail it and be perfect. Um, but what he does say is you can come to me and, and be faithful to me and, uh, I will set your feet right, you know? And right. so, man, we, we, no matter what you've done, how you failed, how much deadness is inside, uh, of you and how long you've lived duplicitously, um, now is the time to turn from your sin and turn to Christ. Do not wait, but do it now. Your garments are soiled and you need clean ones. And there's only one who can clean you. First John 1 9 says, those who confess their sins, that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So yep. be cleansed by Christ and he will, he will not blot your name out but will confess it to his father. Right. And that is a wonderful picture of Jesus saying, man, I will advocate for you remain faithful to me, you know? And if your church has, has fallen into these traps that we've talked about, I'd encourage you guys, man, start thinking, get leadership teams together, start thinking about how to, what, what, what measures of success start there. What are biblical measures of success? And then start, aiming for those yep. and uh, you'll start to slowly turn that ship and, and recast the vision for the culture of your church. You know, that's right. Absolutely. Mm. Well, guys, thanks for a, uh, listening to another episode of the gospel lifeline. Neil Grogan and Matt Statler are out. Peace. Peace.